Hello, and welcome to Making the Case, a podcast produced by the Tennessee Attorney General's Office. I'm Samantha Fisher, Communications Director and Host. The Tennessee Attorney General's Office is the law firm for the state and manages a wide variety of cases, antitrust, consumer fraud, environmental enforcement, and much more. The work is complex, challenging, sometimes even controversial. If you like history and law, come along with us for Making the Case, I've been really looking forward to this episode of Making the Case because today is Veterans Day, and it just so happens in the Tennessee Attorney General's office, we have about 15 members of the office who have served in various branches of the military. They are also fantastic lawyers and members of the office. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing one of them, Tessa Ortiz Marsh. She joined the Attorney General's office a couple years ago. That time's been a bit interrupted by military service, and she also serves in the public protection section of this office. So welcome to the podcast, Tessa. Thanks for having me, Samantha. Tell me a little bit about why you went into the Army. At what point in your life did you do that? And what were some of the factors that led you down that path? Yeah, so I had always wanted to serve. Both my parents served. Um, My mom was a medic um, and my dad was in the Signal Corps. They met um, as enlisted soldiers um, and their love story unfolded in the Army. Um, So I am a a military brat. I grew up uh, going to my dad's um, formations and events with his soldiers, watching him put his boots on, um, and then hearing stories from my mom and my godmother um, about their military service, especially as uh, female veterans. Um, So I'd always wanted to serve. Um, I had the opportunity to play um, collegiate sports. Um, So I, I did that for a year, but inside of me, I just could not um, ignore the fact that I wanted to join the military. I wanted to serve our country. Um, And that was in 2006, so not long after September 11th. I'm sure anyone of our generation can relate to um, wanting to serve at that time. Um, So I didn't need my parents' blessings anymore, and uh, I dropped out of of college and, and joined the Army and haven't looked back since then. What did your folks say about that? Were they supportive? Yeah, so they they were supportive. I mean, I think any parent has that sense of pride, especially because they both served. Uh, They were were nervous. Uh, We were in an active time of war. Uh, They both knew exactly what I was getting myself into, um, especially because I joined as a a medic, um, and that was the same career path my mother had. She understood the trials and tribulations that would come with that. Um, But ultimately, I mean... They were beyond proud. They are, still are beyond proud, um, and just continuing um, my family's tradition of service. So, yeah. Now, 2006. We all know what was going on during that period of time. Where were you sent once you were trained as a medic? Yeah. So I joined the military in August of 2006. By the end of June 2007, I was in Baghdad, Iraq, um, serving um, in the capacity of a combat medic. I was assigned a Second Infantry Division. Um, So we ran missions, either we would go out um, as female search teams with um, 11 Bravos, which are infantrymen, um, or we would conduct um, medical missions to gain trust within the community. So we would go out and set up small clinics um, throughout Baghdad and other small cities in Iraq and uh, interact with the locals, um, sometimes train their medics, uh, do basic first aid um, for a population of people who were really suffering at that time. Wow, what what are some of your takeaways from that time? Um, I, I think 
that's when I really found my love for humanity. Um, as crazy as it might sound, in a war-torn country, uh, uh, you know, we did face danger every day, but I learned to love people from all backgrounds of the world. It didn't matter what your, what your race was, what your religion was, what you look like, um, especially being a medic at the end of the day. Uh, my job was to care and love for people, um, whether it be someone in the United States military uniform or even a local who, who might have been injured in crossfire. Um, and that's an invaluable experience that I bring with me every single day, even here at the Attorney General's office. Tessa, you describe yourself as an army brat, but had you been overseas? Had you been to another country before you were sent to Baghdad? No, I hadn't. Um, my dad served as an officer when I was younger. Um, he ended up going into the reserves. Spent a lot of time away in Central America in his capacity as a reserve officer. Um, but I, I grew up mainly in Wisconsin. Um, so that was another amazing experience that the military gave me was I grew up with farms and cows. And next thing I knew at 19, I was across the world experiencing new food, new culture, new languages, new religions that I never thought growing up I would have that, that opportunity. I was just thinking that as you were explaining your connection to, to people who were different. I mean, it couldn't have been more different, right? Absolutely. Um, so obviously there, there's distinctions in the way they treat women in the Middle East, um, depending on, on you know, the, the sect of, of Islam that they practice. And so uh, my mom was a, a self-proclaimed hippie, if you will, and, and she <laughs> taught me growing up that as a woman, I, there were new, no boundaries for me. And so for the first time realizing that across the world there are women who are persecuted and, and held back and discriminated against just because of their gender, um, and that's a, a truth um, that I never faced and I didn't experience because I, I had the pleasure of growing up in a, in a free country. Um, and, and that really is one of the factors that um, made me want to go back to school, continue my education, and, and grow as a human being to try to change, help change the world someday in whatever factor that ends up being. After your time in Baghdad, what, what came next? Um, so we returned back to the United States, um, and we prepared to deploy a second time. So um, 2007, 2008, 2009, um, that was during what was called the surge um, in Iraq. Um, and obviously, uh, conflicts in Afghanistan were still hot and heavy at that time. So um, when I was home for, for the year, year and a half, we, we just trained to redeploy. We knew we were going back. We knew our job wasn't finished. And looking back on it, it it's hard to believe that a group of 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds, we didn't think twice about it. Uh, we just knew that we signed up to do it, and it was our job um, and that's what we, we live to do. We live for each other, and we live to serve our country. Um, and so although it, it was hard, especially with a short turnaround and you know, going to war twice in, in that time frame, is, it's difficult. Um, I think that's something that only maybe Vietnam veterans can relate to. At the time, we didn't question it because you know, we were brothers and sisters in arms, and we had a, a higher purpose in ourselves. Do you think that's something that's sometimes lost on Americans who don't serve or don't have the opportunity to serve? I don't, I don't think it's lost. I think the current generation, OIF, OEF veterans, we owe a lot to Vietnam veterans. They 
traveled a path that I could not even imagine. Um, they, they fought a war in a very faraway country. Um, for the first time, it was really televised live. Um, and citizens of the United States got to see combat immediately as it was happening. Um, and as they returned, they were not heralded as heroes. You know, the political climate was rough, uh, and they, many of them came home and wanted to hide their service. As time went on, they've been brave enough to speak up about that. They have um, put their best foot forward and thought about the next generation of veterans and, and spoke their truths, which allowed the American public as we went forward into our war of um, Iraq and Afghanistan, even if people didn't agree with it politically, they understood why we were serving. They understood that we, we didn't serve the politicians who made those decisions. We served the Constitution, and we served the best interest of America, which is our values, our morals, um, and doing what's right. And so, honestly, I've never had anything but love and support um, from the public and even those who don't serve, especially here in this office. Actually, this has been one of the most supportive environments I've ever been in um, as I've balanced being a, a reserve soldier and a full-time civilian um, working in the workforce. Um, every single day, you know, whether it be my supervisors or my coworkers, they understand that I balance the life of a citizen soldier, and I'm very grateful for that. One question I, I wanted to just go back real quick. You mentioned Vietnam. Um, I know you weren't in Afghanistan, but as, as somebody who has served in the Army, what were your thoughts as you watched the pullout from Afghanistan recently? Interesting enough, uh, I had pretty blunt discussions with uh, my coworkers at that time about that. Um, we pulled up the news during our lunch hour and, and had really um, educated collegial discussions and I was really thankful for that because it, it, it was a hard time emotionally. Um, although I didn't serve there, I, I've known plenty of people who have served there. I've known people who have unfortunately passed away there. Um, and, you know, one thing I think has been lost in translation is a similar situation happened in Iraq when ISIS took over Iraq. Um, now, we had we had, you know pulled out of Iraq several years before that. But it was similar feelings where I had gone to this country and fought for rights of citizens and these women and these children who, you know, I would see on a daily basis as I went out into the streets, having those freedoms taken away from them that you knew they wanted. You know, um, it was just a deep cultural misunderstanding amongst themselves um, that was preventing them from having the same luxuries that we have in our country. Um, and so Afghanistan is a different political climate than Iraq was, but similar feelings where ultimately as a soldier, you have to know that you did your best. You have to know that you did what you were asked to go and do. Um, that when we put on that uniform and when we wear U.S. Army over our chest or U.S. Navy or Air Force, um, we are serving a higher purpose in ourselves. And, and ultimately, it's not our job to question uh, those people who make the decisions. It's our job to serve full-heartedly and to the best of our ability. And at the end of the day, if that's what we did and we came home, we have to be proud of that and we have to recognize that that's all we could do. Tessa, you were on a medical track 
now you're a lawyer. Yeah. How did you go from one to the other? Um, I get that question a lot. Uh, you know, I, I think if my mom and my grandmothers had their way, I, I'd be a, a doctor or a physician's assistant. Uh, I think that's what they always envision for me. But uh, honestly, my heart has always been in the law. Um, I, for my third grade career fair, was an attorney. I've always told my mom I was going to be an attorney. Um, and I love the medical field. I served in the medical field in the military for 15 years. I recently transitioned away from that, and it was a hard thing because it was a sense of pride. Um, it's where I had laid my, my roots in the military. But ultimately, my, my soul and my being loves the law more. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of parallels, I think, that people don't understand is as, as a medic and as working in the medical field, I was helping people every single day. Um, whether it be, you know, a toothache, a blister, whatever, a headache, um, or, or something more serious. Uh, the work I do here at the Attorney General's office is similar. Every single day I get to go to work and know that, the, that what I'm doing is helping the citizens of the great state of Tennessee, right? Um, it, it's in a different sense. I'm using my words, you know, versus a stethoscope. Um, I, I, I'm using, you know, the law versus, you know, a medical diagnosis, but um, there's a lot of parallels to it. it. Ultimately, it comes down to what's in my heart, which is, you know, serving people and loving, loving the communities that, that I get to be a part of. All right, I have a few fun questions for you. Awesome. You're also a judge advocate general, so you are in, an, in a law field within the military, too. Yep. All right, so all right, my knowledge of JAGS comes from uh, A Few Good Men. And then great also, movie. <laughs> that's right. It is a great movie. And then, uh, you know, the, the CBS show um, that was on for several years from like 96 to I think like 2004 or so. But that was Navy Jags. Yeah. Right? You're an Army Jag. I'm an Army Jag. So Army Absolutely. all the way. Yeah, absolutely. We don't, I don't think the Army Jag has any uh, cool movies or TV shows. Um, but yeah, I'll still say Army Jags are the best. Awesome. All right. So the Uniform Code of Military Justice. Yeah. All right. UCMJ. Yep. More or less complicated than a ten the Tennessee state code? I would say less. I would say less. <laughs> <laughs> Admittedly, my, my experience with the UCMJ is, is minimal as I'm a newly appointed JAG within the last year. Uh, but I, w I would say less complicated. Very good. All right. And you have also managed to balance uh, your work here in the Consumer Protection Division with continuing to be a JAG, right? You, yeah. You've at times had to, uh, you know, answer the call of duty. Yeah, yeah. I actually, um, this past weekend, I, I had my military training. So this is my block of, of 12 days straight without a day off. Um, but it's, it's completely worth it. You know, I, I, I get to have one group of colleagues who have an amazing outlook, an amazing diverse background here at the, uh, at the Attorney General's office. And then I, I get to go on the weekends and serve with attorneys who literally come from all backgrounds, all backgrounds of law. The attorneys that I work with in the JAG Corps come anywhere from Louisville to um, Illinois, Florida, et cetera. And then we all come together for the weekend and, and and serve. So um, it's really the best of both worlds. Tessa, just to kind of wrap everything up, what would you say to folks, you know, they're, they have the day off, that's always a nice thing, but this is an honor of, of our veterans for folks like you, men and women who have served the country. Um, do you have an overall message for them, for all of us? Yeah, I think, honestly, right now, uh, it almost is a more politically divisive time than when 
OIF and OEF were in in the heat of battle. Ultimately, as I said earlier, when you choose to serve the country, you're not serving a politician, you're serving the Constitution. You're serving those morals and values um, that our, our forefathers built this amazing country on and built our freedoms on. And just remember that it doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you land on. You have that right to have a political spectrum because of the Constitution. And that is what soldiers and sailors and airmen and Marines protect. You know, some veterans might get a little gun shy when they're thanked for their service, but that also never gets old. And anytime someone sees me in uniform and thanks me, um, I, I actually was having a discussion with the bus driver the shuttle bus last night um he said you know you don't have to call me sir i'm just driving a bus and i said you know i'm, I'm a military brat that's the way my mama raised me um, but i also serve and it, it is out of complete respect for what you do because every single person who you know goes to work every day in our country is building is building a better place for us um and so just because you're not in the military doesn't mean that you're not entitled to be called sir or ma'am um and so Anytime I'm thanked for my service, I, I always respond with, it is my distinct pleasure to do so. Um, it might sound cliche, but it's, it's truly how I feel. And when you talk about defending the Constitution, that is something you're doing in this job as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which, so I, admittedly, I was in private practice for a few years before I came to the Attorney General's office. And as rewarding as that was, um, helping people every day in that aspect, uh, I still yearn to be part of something a little bit bigger than myself. And here, you know, at the greatest public law firm in the country, we get to be something bigger than, than ourselves. Um, and not only, you know, do we swear, do I swear an oath to the United States Constitution uh, as an Army officer, but um, as an attorney in Tennessee and working for, for this office, we swear oaths to, to the state constitution and to uphold what's in the best interest of the citizens here in the community. And so really, I mean, no matter what capacity I'm serving in, you know, I get to follow my passion and my heart. And I'm just very thankful for that. Tessa, we are so glad that you have. It is such a pleasure to have you in the office. And thank you for coming to tell us about your military experience and why you do what you do. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. We're better for it. And thank you for listening to Making the Case. You can find this podcast on all podcast platforms available. It is produced by the Tennessee Attorney General's Office.